What is good? It's been your friendly neighborhood nerd, the Babo, and I want to welcome you guys to Babo's Block. If this is your first time coming here, I want to thank you for joining us with, for this little block party we have every week. And if this is your um, 18 for whatever time back, what up, homie? It's been a minute. Um, well, it hasn't been a minute, been a week. I am back here again, and it's Monday at 2 o'clock, and I am on Instagram Live. So I want to shout out to everybody who's joining me on Instagram. Um, big ups to you guys for supporting me and supporting the stream at what I do. Um, like I said, it started off as just like a kooky little challenge to myself to see if I can do it. And I, I've really gotten more comfortable, and I really enjoy going live on Instagram with you guys every Monday. And as it gives me time to kind of interact and um and talk with you guys and you guys talk back and you give me instantaneous feedback on the subjects that we're speaking about so just want to go ahead and give you guys big ups and props for that the blockheads are a tremendous and loyal fan base and i'm really happy to have you guys um let's go ahead and get into this episode why don't we this week's episode is going to be talking about a lot um so we're going to start off with the updates okay so firstly with my updates for this week i want to give everybody a, a huge huge thank you for the ones who came out and supported the inaugural inaugural night of the wonderground at the manhattan in here in jacksonville florida um the wonderground is a labor of love for me it is something that i've been wanting to put on for a minute i have um done shows in the past i've hosted shows in the past but the wonderground is literally like something that i have had on my heart for about a couple of years now. Um, and I'm glad that it went off without a hitch. And like I said, you guys came out. Amazing people blessed the stage with us. And we're going to be at it again on the 26th of December. going to be a little bit bigger, a little bit better, a little bit brighter. Um, we're going to have a holiday poetry cipher. Um, it's going to be myself and a whole bunch of poets. going to be going in like a, a interesting format that I don't think many people get to experience or enjoy poetry in. So... Um, that's going to be something to see. It'll also be DJ K cuts again on the ones and twos. And you guys will be able to come out and vibe with us. We'll have food. We'll have drinks. We'll have hookah drink specials are going to be going all night. We'll also be able to give you guys, um, little special shout outs. I'll try and make sure I can go live while I'm there. And like I said, kind of have all the whole setup to where we can all enjoy and have kind of like a, a little decompression from the holidays i know christmas will be the night before so you guys can get out of the house kind of stretch your legs a bit get away from the family kind of go do some stuff and have some fun so that's really what the holiday um extravaganza or holiday um wonderground is going to be about okay so nextly i want to tell you guys about an experience that i had i went to the tedx fscj adventure unmasked well, um, event that they held at the Mosh recently. It was a panel of major players here in the Nerd and Geek community um, from Jacksonville. And I want to go ahead and get the list out for for you guys. Um, of course, my homie um, Cesar Bones Cordero. He was the MC of the of the night, and um, he was doing his best Nick Fury cosplay <laughs> unintentionally. Um, speedy recovery to to um, Cesar. He got injured during the holidays. Got a little bit of a um, eye patch going on right now. So yeah, hopefully he has everything has everything in order. But he should be back to 100% pretty soon. Um, the host of the panel was my homie, my big dog, Butter Milligan. Butter Milligan was um, at a, a tremendous host um he did a really good job facilitating all the questions and everything um 
we had on the panel as well um, the creator of GAM, Ryan Paul Thompson. Uh, and let me see if I can get the remainder of the panel up here. We also had um, on the panel a few people representative of the FGC. Um, we had the creator of all well, the current um, host and, and director of Ancient City Con and, and other other like conventions and events out here in Jacksonville. Um, so yeah, I want to go ahead and see if I can pull it up real quick for you guys for that full, full panel. Just trying to see, but yeah, we had it in the planetarium, um, at, at Mosh and let me, yeah, I'm going to see if they have the things so the event still. Yeah, we had the planetarium locked down and kind of sold out as well. It was really dope. I really enjoyed having, um, having that experience of seeing everything on the big screen uh, of the planetarium. They did the Adam Savage TED Talk for us, and uh, we also had a a good um, a good bit of discussion with a comic book writer. He's a Jacksonville native. This is he was also on the panel. His name is Zach Kaplan. Um, I have the full list now. So yeah, it's um, Lee Huang. She is an esports photographer and esports um, and FGC advocate. She's also a cosplayer. Like I said, Zach Kaplan is a comic book writer and a native from Jacksonville. He currently was living in Los Angeles. Max Michael is the co-producer and the um, director of Ancient City Con and Jekyll Comic Con. That was just recently this weekend. So Jekyll Comic Con. Anne Marie Scarpentino. That is her name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Scarpin- Scarpinito. Yeah, Scarpinito, I think it's her last name. She's a cosplayer. She runs with GAM, and she also um, does amazing, amazing cosplays throughout the actual like um, community around here. And she's a very wonderful spirit to be around. Um, and, a boy, of course, our boy Ryan, like I told you, the founder of GAM and Botter, was the, was the panel moderator. Um, we talked about a lot there, and I had like a whole slew of questions I wanted to kind of bring up with them but they actually before they even before I even got to the Q&A part like they answered all of my questions so eloquently we were talking about a lot of things such as like diversity within um within the nerd and geek sphere and also diversity within cosplaying and and about how we address sexism racism and and um, misogyny towards cosplayers of different genders and different backgrounds and different races and Emery had like the best response to it and like I really appreciate her as being a non-black person um to step up and say hey shut up sit down somewhere like cosplaying is cosplaying we all do what we love because we're passionate about it we're not out here um we're not out here trying to quote unquote ruin characters or whatever and she and she's like i don't see a person of color or i don't see a black girl cosplaying sailor moon as oh the black sailor moon i see her sailor moon i don't see a black guy who's cosplaying dante as oh the black dante he's just dante like she she really hit the like she drove the message home that cosplaying is for everybody and also cosplay is not consent and I, and it gives it gives me real hope that there are advocates and allies for the black and brown community who are involved in these fandoms and these nerddoms and like who get so much guff and flack from people who are just so 
close-minded and stupid and i really want to um give her give her her flowers give her her roses and i say um make sure that you know that there are people who are out there who also support this what up k-cuts um yeah i was just telling them about the next show the 26th of december me and you will be out there at the manhattan down on 345 east bay street and you guys can come out for our holiday party man it's going to be good vibes food hookah it's going to be all of the above okay so yeah don't forget about that. December 26th, me and K-Cuts will be out there at the Manhattan, and we're going to be vibing out with you guys, all right? Um, nextly, I got to go to a black podcasters meetup um, here in Jacksonville put on put on by um, Henny on the Rocks and D, um, T, Chill Will from Sound of Duval. Uh, I really enjoyed this event last night. Um, I got to meet so many different podcasters and so many different black shows within the jacksonville area we've really been having a uh a ramp up i would say or a a resurgence of of getting the podcast community together there's so many small factions of small groups that are kind of trying to put together the pieces of what jacksonville podcasters are seen as um there's myself um who's going to be starting up our voices in bold initiative coming next month in january um there is now henny on the rocks who's doing the podcasters kickback um you also have bottom elegant and the short box crew who are doing the um, jacksonville podcasters unite we have so many factions that are 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 getting these people who have shows platforms that i really can't wait to to see where we all where we all end up by the end of the next year and how we take it and how we can um, amplify everybody's voice. So I'm really excited about what we're doing with the podcast here in Jacksonville this year. So you guys be on the lookout for that and also be able to kind of um, keep your, your, your little coin purses available because we may be having some things that you may be able to want to buy tickets to having live events or we may be having um, some workshops or whatever. So if you guys are interested in podcasting or you love listening to podcasts, 2020 is going to be a huge year for the Jacksonville podcast, and I really can't wait until you guys get to see what we're all up to. Okay. Um, and lastly, for the updates, we're going to be I'm going to talk about our holiday schedule here on the block. So I'm going to be recording a lot of stuff this week. Um, not because like uh, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm just going to take a break. Well, I want to make sure you guys have content while I'm taking a quick holiday break. I think I'm going to be out of town. Um, mostly for this holiday season and especially around like coming up Mondays and so I won't be in my available space and I also have things that I'm planning to get ready for for January so uh, for the next couple weeks it will probably be pre-recorded and uh, pre-recorded shows uh, this will probably be the last IG live um, episode of the block that I'll do for the year but you guys will be able to um, get continuous content i'll be recording bonus episodes i'll be recording um topic episodes i'll even be recording probably a couple of shorts so you guys won't be without babo um while i get everything ready for 2020 okay um so far just be on the lookout on the rss feed or wherever you listen to this podcast at you guys will be able to get the updated episodes it'll probably come out around tuesday like normally um and you guys will be able to know for sure that it's <laughs> that it's gonna be longer than about 15 minutes okay um as you you know i already love to talk so i'll be 
spitting on um, my talking out. I, I kind of actually pushed back the Baby Yoda episode just so I can have it to where it will be bonus content for you guys um, coming up for this holiday season. So still be on the lookout for that Baby Yoda episode and we'll be able to talk about that. All right. So um, we're going to go ahead and get into the next segment of the block. And that is Around, around the, the Net. The net. Yeah, so Around the Net is going to be chock full today. Um, I wouldn't say chock full. I'll, I'll say that we have a lot to talk about. Um, we got a crap ton of trailers dumped in our laps this week. I'm going to go ahead and start off at the top, okay? So the first one we got was the Black Widow trailer. This one kind of like shook everybody up and kind of woke us back up and like, oh, oh, superhero shit is still back. It's, it's still here. Cool. So Black Widow was one of the movies I, I really wasn't excited for at all. Like I honestly did not even think I was going to go see Black Widow. But after this trailer, I'm definitely going to see Black, Black Widow. Um, this trailer is going to give an in-depth look into her life from Civil War, um, Captain America Civil War, until Infinity War. Um, this is what happened in that lost bit of time that we were like, well, what, what were they doing? Like, um, especially like with her origin story, her background, this is her kind of like facing the music or, or meeting, meeting up with her old team before she was an Avenger. And she basically is going to kind of take care of some old loose ends and shit. Um, we do get the emergence of two former black widows, um, and we also get a look at Red Guardian. Everyone's been saying that Red Guardian is like is not going to be a, a pivotal part or or a plot point in this movie because he only was a character for like two issues in the comic books. But y'all know MCU; they're going to rewrite shit. They're going to go ahead and do stuff to where like it's totally different. And <clears throat> um, we're going to figure out we're going to figure out what his part's going to play in this. But I do feel like they're going to do a Winter Guard type movie with this black window movie um if you guys don't know what the winter guard is it's basically just the russian avengers and it's like russia was like well they got avengers in america why can't we have avengers and they were like all right let's just make them avengers so yeah but um <laughs> it's gonna be interesting interesting to see how this all plays out you get a good like run through of a lot of the old outfits that we've been clamoring for as um, fans to have a Black Widow. And you'll be able to see her in her red um, room outfit. The classic Black Widow outfit. The white Black Widow outfit. Her Infinity War S type outfit. Like she gets a good bit of costume changes here. That's one thing about Natasha. We haven't seen her change up her look like she does in the comic books. But... In the movie, I think we're going to be able to get the full gambit of all of Black Widow's um, actual, like, fashion choices. <laughs> um, so that was the first trailer that dropped into our laps. That was, I think, like, Monday night or something like that at midnight. And then on Wednesday, we got the 007 No Time to Die trailer. And that one was superb. I'm very excited for this movie. And I'm excited for it, not for Daniel Craig, because you already know how I feel about Daniel Craig. Um, Lashana Lynch, I asked, I made the mistake last week, going to rectify that, and said, I said DeWanda Wise, but that's who was supposed to play Monica Rambeau's mom in the beginning of it. It's just a whole mix-up. But yeah, Lashana Lynch, she is the new 007 in here. Not James Bond. She's not James Bond. 
She's 007 because she went through the academy, got top honors, top, top ranking. She became the new 007. And in the trailer, she said she's been 007 for about two years now. And um, James has been in his little emo depressive state because he doesn't know how to deal with relationships. And he um, retired, quote unquote. And now he's coming back. So he's trying to kind of, I don't know help the help MI6 solve this mystery or so, but we, we get to the scene where we finally kind of have the interaction between 007 and Lashana, and she tells him, hey, the world has changed and moved on, Commander Bond, so I need for you to stay in your lane, and if you get in my way, I will put a bullet, put a bullet in your knee. The one that works, at least. What and I tell you, that line gave me so much life because she ain't putting up with his shit. Just like I'm not putting up with Daniel's shit. Like, thank you, Lashana. Thank you, 007, for being such a badass. I can't wait to see her kick ass on on the screen. And you also get the look at um, are the first looks at our Bond villain for this for this movie. And when I tell you, this young man can play about anything. About he can be a, a, a villain, he can be a hero, he can be a rock star, um, he can be a pharaoh. Like he's done a little bit of everything. Um, Mr. Robot himself will be, <laughs> will be our Bond villain, and I tell you, he looks like he's going to be a problem. Looks like he's going to be a freaking problem. Um, I'm really excited to see where this story goes. I'm a avid avid Bond fan, and I haven't enjoyed a Bond film. Um, since Pierce left, but this one seems like I'm going to get into it. I'm going to have the, the action and everything that I needed or so. I want to go ahead and, um, excited for this next movie. So we'll get to see what happens from there. Okay. Next movie that we got up on the docket for a trailer was Mulan. I was surprised on the, the direction they took this Mulan trailer. It was more so, uh, we were told we were getting a live action movie Mulan, and we were told it's not going to be a musical. But we still kind of had to like see what it was going to do. Um, it's a very compelling and powerful story just by itself, like Mulan as a whole. Um, if you know the original story of Mulan, it's a very sad and tragic story, but like all Disney films are, they just make it kind of gussied it up and like makes it look all pretty and stuff. But this one, it holds true to the Mulan story that we know and love, but it also gives that grounded, in-depth, rooted version of Mulan that um, we, are, we are told that was the original Mulan story. Um, I actually am... On the fence about seeing it, but I think I will probably still go see Mulan. Uh, I I'm gonna miss the dragon because that's what I came up with. I miss Mushu, but the Phoenix origin or the Phoenix storyline that they're gonna put into this really makes sense once you watch the first trailer. It's 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 a reason why we don't have Mushu anymore. There's a reason why their ancestors sends a phoenix instead of a dragon to go guide and aid her. Um, I don't think that um, I don't think the phoenix is going to talk or anything. But yeah, we'll we'll see how that works out. Um, the next one that we got was the Wonder Woman eighty four trailer. This came into um, our timeline from. 
I want to say it's like CCFW or something like that. It's, it was the convention that's in in Brazil. Um, and I realized that if you don't release anything in America, the best place to go release it is in Brazil because there are a crap ton of people who love a lot of comic book shit in Brazil. And I, I applaud those nerds out there. I, uh, solidarity, dog. Solidarity. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and talk about the Wonder Woman trailer now. So, Wonder Woman, it was... It was nice to see where we're going with the direction of it. It's a lot. It's a lot co- more colorful than expected, and it's a lot more um, upbeat and uptone than expected from the last outing um, of of the Amazonian goddess um, in Batman v Superman and Justice League. But she is kicking butt and um, riding lightning, dog. Like she's literally like. Um, wrapping her, her golden lasso around a lightning bolt and swinging on that bit like Spider-Man. I was shocked by that, no pun intended. But should we also get what I feel is going to be our first look at the Invisible Jet? And I, that got me hyped. Um, we also get our first, first looks at the actress who will become Cheetah. We don't get to see Cheetah. I think they got to see scenes of Cheetah in Brazil, but we didn't get get that in the trailer that was released in the U.S. Um, but we also got our first look at Max Lord. He looks like the typical 80s businessman all all over. Like He's so perfect. Like He, he has a line that says, the, everything in the world is great now. But it could be better. <laughs> like, if that's not 80s typical, like, businessman, supervillain shit, I don't know. Like, so dope. I, I want to see where he, where it goes from there. And we're going to um, get our look at her full-on golden armor. I don't know much about the Wonder Woman golden armor. I will admit that. But it looks... It looks real hawkish when like not like hawk like like it's real like hawk girlish or like hawkeyeish. I, I I have to do my my research and my googles on it, um, but I do know that it is comic book accurate. And like I said, it's gonna be dope to see what they do with Diana and how she kind of navigates this whole thing. And and it seems like Steve is back, but we don't know if Steve is real or if he's like. A clone or whatever. It's something, something. But we know he's back. He's tangible. So hopefully we'll get more answers as more trailers come out. Um, but we'll figure it out from there. So nextly, we're going to move into the trailer that dropped today on Monday. Ghostbusters. We've been anticipating this um, this new take on the Ghostbusters franchise. And we wanted to know what it was going to be. If it's going to be a sequel, a reboot, or whatever. Like, And it's, it's technically a continuation of the story. And it picks up. Oh, shoot. It picks up in modern time, and I want to say, like, about 30-some-odd years after the events of Ghostbusters 2. And we are talking to a kid and his family, or we're following a kid and his family who's taking over... um, Who's taking over the farm that their grandfather left them. And we slowly realize that their grandfather is a Ghostbuster. You guys have to go see it to see which Ghostbuster grandfather they, which Ghostbuster is their grandfather. But yeah, like it's dope. Like I'm super excited about it. I love the take on it. And these Stranger Things kids, they're getting a lot of freaking work. I really applaud their, them for like continuously staying with the genre that they're very good at. Um, but yeah, I would like to see them in different roles. But we'll we'll get into that. Um. I think that's about it for the trailers. So yeah, we also got um 
some new information from Grand Theft Auto Online, um, Grand Theft Auto 5 Online. They had a casino that was dropped back into their world a while back. Like, um, shoot, I forget how long ago, but it was there for a minute. And people were like, we're going to rob that place. And... Oh, speaking of that, Free Guy, that's what I forgot to talk to you about. I'll talk to you about it after this. Because it ties into basically both of the things I want to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> they, they just announced that there will be missions upcoming in this casino. And you guys will be able to run dailies and monthlies and events and things like that. So, hopefully we get some Ocean's Eleven type style um, Rick and Morty. <laughs> you son of a bitch! I'm in type <laughs> heist deals, and I'm, I'm I'm I can't wait to see if I can get my hands on the controllers and get behind the the playbook of some Danny Ocean type shit. So yeah, um, and speaking of Rick and Morty of the you <laughs> of the usual ish that Rick and Morty gets into, um, the last two episodes I really enjoyed myself. I they did a heist episode where they had to kind of go to HeistCon and put together a team just to get into it. And then after all that, we figured out everything was a big heist. And it's just so, so intricate and elaborate bullshit. And I love Rick and Morty for that. But this episode this week was about Morty getting a dragon. And if you ever want to see Rick in a D&D state or a D&D world, please go watch it. It's the best. It's wonderful. It's, it's, it's literally... It's literally one of my new my new favorite mythoses that I'll have for dragons. I'll tell you that much. So yeah. Boom. Um, next, I just saw that they dropped the Game Awards. Um, the nominees for the Game Awards. Let me go ahead and pull that up for you guys so we can talk about the Game Award nominees. And see where we're going with this today loading up now but yeah the game awards are something that we that we on the block really like cover every year or we at least try to keep up with and give our predictions give our um give our two cents and feedback on we used to do a lot of that on the arcade as well we used to have a end of the year show that would talk about the game awards or we'll have the game awards show um that we'll be doing do doing on as well so yeah this is something that i really Fine, um, near and dear to my heart because when they put out these nominees, these are people who have really taken their time to kind of think out what's going on with the industry today, who is the the top or so. So yeah, we're gonna go ahead and see who are the nominees for the two thousand nineteen. Alright, so so far, let's start off with the biggie. Game of the year. We're looking at Control by Remedy and five oh five games. Death Stranding by Kojima Productions and SIE. Resident Evil 2 by Capcom. Sicaro Sh Shadows Die Twice by, um, by Software and Activision. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate by Sora, Bandai Namco, and Nintendo. And The Outer Worlds by Obsidian and Private Division. So, I've seen gameplay of Control. Um, I've... Play Resident Evil 2, Shadows uh, twice. I've seen gameplay of that. You know I played Smash, and I've um, heard great things about the Outer Worlds. I, I, there's no real clear winner here for me. Even like Death Stranding is an amazing game. It's beautiful, visually beautiful. The story is very complex and everything, but like I don't know 
I don't have a good prediction for this one. I probably would say Death Stranding may take it. I think they're going to kind of sweep up this year, depending on how much, how many categories they get into. So, moving on to the best action game. Action game nominees are Apex Legends by Respawn and EA, Astral Chain by Platinum Games and Nintendo, Call of Duty Modern Warfare by Infinity Ward and Activision, Devil May Cry 5 by Capcom, Gears 5 by The Coalition, Xbox Game Studios, and Metro Exodus by 4A Games and Deep Silver. I have not played Metro Exodus. Um, Gears 5 was great. I've seen gameplay of that. Devil May Cry 5 was really good. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best action game, but it was really good. Um, COD, of course, would have a nod here. Um, I have not played Astro Chain at all. Like I really need to look into that and see how that plays. And Apex Legends, I feel like they may take it this year because it's such a good diverse game, and I really enjoy the um, the dynamic, dynamic first-person shooter feel of it. And it's just so different, so different from um, from like the other games that it's kind of fallen in the category with, such as like a Fortnite or a um, or a Overwatch or even like um, Pug G or so. Apex Legends kind of sets itself apart, and I really enjoy that about it. All right, so action adventure games for this year. Um, this is the second time. We're going to see three of these, three of these games in the category. So first is up is Borderlands Three from Two K and Gearbox. Again, for its second nomination, we have Control from Remedy and Two um, Five O Five Games. Of course, the second time again, we have Death Stranding by Kojima and SIE. We have Resident Evil 2 for a second time by Capcom. Then we also have The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. This was a very cute game. Um, and then also for a second nomination, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice from Software, um, yeah, from Software and Activision. So, the next, um, the next category we have is Art Direction. Of course, this is where you get these beautiful, visually stunning games, and we basically give them their props. Uh, um, for its third nomination, we have Control. With third nomination, we have Death Stranding. Um, for its first nomination, we have Gris, G-R-I-S, from Nomada Studios and Devolver Digital. I've heard great things about this game, and it's mostly been about the art direction and been about the visuals that this game gives. It's very beautiful, very very calming, almost. Um, next, we have Sayonara Wild Hearts. That is by Shmigo, um, Simogo, sorry, yeah, Simogo and Annapurna. Um, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice has its third nomination. And then The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening has its second nomination. That is going to be for art direction, okay? Next one is for audio design. This is for how everything that you experience with your ears are kind of like said put on put on blast or so, okay? For its second nomination, we have Call of Duty Modern Warfare. For its fourth nomination, we have Control. For its fourth nomination, we have Death Stranding. For its second nomination, we have Gears 5. For its fourth nomination, we have Resident Evil. Hold on, let me see Third nomination, I want to see this. Third nomination, we have Resident Evil 2. For its fourth nomination, we have Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Alright, so next one is Community Support. This is one that is recognizing a game for outstanding community support and transparency and responsiveness. 
Here we have for its second nomination, Apex Legends, um, Destiny 2 from Bungie gets a nomination, Final Fantasy 14 from Square Enix gets a nomination, um, Fortnite from Epic Games gets a nod here, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege from Ubisoft, Montreal and Ubisoft gets a nod here as well. Um, I love some Rainbow Six and I also love Final Fantasy 14. When I tell when I say probably out of the best for community support, I'll give it to Final Fantasy here. I'll give it to Final Fantasy. Content creator of the year. So these are all your favorite YouTubers, streamers, Twitchers, mixers, whatever they play on. Um, we have Courage, Lupo, Ewok, Grefka, um, Shroud, and Shroud. Those are your nominees for that. No ladies at all? Wow, it's a real sausage fest here. Okay, sure. Um, Esports Coach of the Year. These are the, the, the brains behind the thumbs, man. These are the ones who coach and, and like, get these people who kind of are on this new platform of championhood to stardom. Uh, it's really cool. So, this is something that I really have not much in-depth insight into, but I'm going to um, go ahead and tell you guys who are the coaches nominees. We have Eric Adrian Hoag. We have Nuri Kane Jung. We have Fabian Grabs Loman. We have Ken Kekoma Jingong Gyun. And we, ha- um, we have Titoan Saksa Merlos. And finally, Danny Zonic Sorensen. These are your coaches for the year, or the nominees for the coaches for the year. So, the esports event for the year. We're going to go ahead and kind of finally put our esports on a high platform and kind of rank them out who they, who's the top or who's the best. So, firstly, we have up the 2019 Overwatch League Grand Finals. Or we have as well Evo 2019, Fortnite World Cup, the IME Katowice 2019, the League of Legends World Championship 2019, or the International 2019 esports event. So, and with it, we're still in this esport category. We're going to choose what is the esport game of the year. These are some old, old and true um, um, options in here, but we also have a couple of the young boys as well. Still, um, Counter Strike Global Offensive by Valve, Dota 2 by Valve, Fortnite by Epic Games, League of Legends by Riot Games, and Overwatch by Blizzard. Uh, we also have to figure out who our our favorite esports host would be. Um, our esports esports host of the year nominations go to. Oh, hold on, wait a minute. Esports host of the year go to. Ejefe, Ejef, S jokes, Deportre, Alex Machine Richardson, Paul Red Eye Chandler. Alex Golden Golden Boy Mendez, um, Duan Candice Yushang, and the next we have the esports player of the year. 
who do you guys feel like is the esports player is a very big thing because right now these esports have really taken off this year and I really can't explain where the surge is coming from, but I'm finally glad that these guys are getting their due because esports has been around for so long that they really do need that kind of push or that kind of like juxtaposition juxtaposition of saying, hey, these are athletes as well. And I'm glad that they're getting their due. So, Kyle Buga, um, Gustav, <laughs> I hate saying, uh, it's, so, it's so weird saying a lot of these names, but bear with me, guys. Lee Faker, Sang Hyuk, Luka Perks, Perkovic, Oleg Zender, Simple, Kostalaviv, Jay Sinatra One. Those are your, those are your um, esports players of the year. Okay, and um, I would say perspective of what they play. So, all right. So, um, Buga plays Fortnite. Faker plays League of Legends. Um, Perks plays League of Legends as well for G Two Esports, and Faker is for SK Telecom. Um, Buga is with the Sentinels. Alright, uh, and Simple plays for Natas Versi, S, um, CSGO, and Sinatra plays for the San Francisco Shock in Overwatch. So, the best esports team is going to be up for grabs as well, okay? We have the Astros for CSGO. We have G2 Esports for, uh, for League of Legends. We have OGs for Dota 2. The San Francisco Shock for the Overwatch, um, Overwatch League. And we have Team Liquid for CSGO as well, okay? Alright, for Best Family Game, it's up for grabs next. For best family games, we have Luigi's Mansion 3, Ring Fit Adventure, Super Mario Maker 2, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and Yoshi's Crafted World. Those are all going on by Nintendo, and that's so you guys will be able to vote for those as well under um, the vote for those under the category for best family game, okay? Move on to the next category. The best fighting game. So in the best fighting game, we have DOA 6. That's by Team Ninja and Koei Tecmo. We have Jump Force from Spike Chunsoft and Bandai Namco. We have Mortal Kombat 11 from NetherRealm and WB Entertain Interactive Entertainment. We have Sh Samurai Showdown from SNK and Anthelon. Super Smash Brothers from Nintendo, Bandai Namco, and Sora. So, um, we're looking at the freshest indie games in the in the industry now, and the next indie games are up for grabs are going to be Za Um from Disco Elysium, and we have. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, so Zaum is the studio and the game, yeah. So Disco Elysium is the game that Zaum put out at ZA slash UM. Um, we have Nomada Studio for their game, Grease. 
We have Dead Toast Entertainment for their game For My Friend Pedro. <laughs> we have Mobius Digital for their game Outer Worlds. We have um, Megacrit Studios for their game called Slay the Spire. And finally, we have... Trying to get it to it. Oh, come on. I can't see it. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Oh, we have Studio House House for their, for their highly, highly hilarious game, Untitled Goose Game. I honestly feel like Studio House House should win because Untitled Goose Game is the GOAT. No pun intended. Most, most pun intended, probably. Alright, so we have up next the game direction of the year. Um, for its fifth domination, we have Control. For the fifth domination, we have Death Stranding. For its fourth domination, we have Resident Evil 2. Fifth domination, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. And we have second domination for the Outer Wilds. Ooh. A lot of freaking nominees. <laughs> Alright, so these are for games with impact. These are games that kind of touch us and they have thought-provoking and pro-social meetings our message. First game up, Concrete Genie from Pixel Plus and SIE. Of course, we have Gris from Nomada Studios and Devolver Digital. We have Kind, World, kind Words from Pop Cannibal. Life is Strange 2 by Don't Nod and Square Enix. And we have Sea of Solitude by Joy May Games and EA. We have Best Indie Game up for grabs now, okay? And for this one, we have Baba Is You by Heppuli. Disco Elysium by Zaum. Katana Zero by Askisoft and Devolver Digital. Outer Wilds has its third nomination by Mobus, Di Mobus Digital and Anna Purna. And of course, second nomination for Untitled Goose Game, House House, and Panic. Um, though, I honestly, again, Untitled Goose Game may win the best indie game of the year. Um, it's kind of like Goat Simulator. It's something that's so stupid that it makes so much sense and it's so fun to play. You're just a goose going around attacking and, and terrorizing people, man. It's the greatest game in the world, I swear. Let's see how many more I have left. Jesus. Um, two. We got a few more. We got mobile game, multiplayer game, narrative, ongoing game, role-playing game, score music, sports, racing, Strategy and VR AR. So let's go ahead and um, dig into these. So for the best mobile game. Alright, so best mobile game. Nominees are Call of Duty Mobile by T <laughs> Timmy Studios and Activision. Grindstone by Capybara Games. Sayonara Wild Hearts by Simigogo and Anna Purina. Um, Sky Children of the Light by That Game Company. <laughs> Just That Game Company. And lastly, What the Golf by Triband. Alright. Nextly, we have Multiplayer Game of the Year. 
That is going to go to either Apex Legend with another nomination, Borderlands 3 with their second nomination, Call of Duty Modern Warfare with their third or fourth nomination, um, Tetris 99, ooh, I didn't see that one coming by, Akira and Nintendo with their first nomination, Tom Clancy's The Division 2 also has a nomination for Best Multiplayer Game. So, moving on to Best Narrative, we have A Plague Tale, Innocence, by Asobo and Focus Home. With its sixth nomination, we have Control, and also sixth nomination for Death Stranding. We have third nomination for Disco Elysium. We have a nomination for The Outer Worlds as well. I want to say this is the second or third. Alright, so, best ongoing game right now is either going to go to Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, or Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. These are your nominees for your best ongoing game. So, best performance by a voice actor will either go to Ashley Birch as Parati um, Holcomb in The Outer Worlds. Courtney Hope as Jesse Faden in Control. Laura Bailey as Kate Diaz in Gears 5. Mads Miskeckles as Cliff in Death Stranding. Okay, yeah. Mads Miskelson, yeah, as Cliff in Death Stranding. Matthew Porretta as Dr. Casper Darling in Control. And, of course, Norman Reedus as Sam Porter Bridges in Death Stranding. So, the best role-playing game currently right now has a nomination out for... Disco Lyceum, Final Fantasy fourteen, And for the first time this... This time I'm seeing, like, I haven't seen it all on this list until now. Kingdom Hearts 3. For as long as we waited for this goddamn game, this game should have gotten a lot more nominations. I'm just saying, but I digress. Um, Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, yeah, Iceborne, and The Outer Worlds by Obsidian, Obsidian and Private Division. Alright, so of course, here we go. Score and music. The first um, nomination up here is a little bit of a surprise. It is Candace of Hyrule. Brace Yourself Games and Nintendo made this game. And it's really, really interesting. I haven't heard the music for it yet, but I've heard good things about Candace of Hyrule. Um, of course, next, Death Stranding. Um, Devil May Cry 5 has its second or third nomination here and that would be like the seventh nomination for death stranding kingdom hearts 3 of course has a wonderful soundtrack um and sayonara wild hearts is rounding us out for the best music category so next nominations are for best sports and racing games First up, we have Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. <laughs> it's good to see old Crash back in a cart, and it's been amazing to play that game. Um, Dirt Rally 
eFootball Pro Evolution Soccer 2020, F1 2019, and FIFA 20. So yeah, if you have an NBA 2K wasn't on this list or WWE, um, WWE 2K20 was trash. So many bugs, so many glitches or whatever. It's just, it was hard, hard to hard to like watch that whole thing go down in flames. Um, 2K20, I don't know why they one didn't make the list, but it's probably about popularity of um, sales and things like that. Or so, and when it comes to football or soccer and um, and basketball, those are really the two top video games that are out there selling for us right now. So yeah. And next up in the category of games is the best strategy game. Right now we have on the block it. Um, uh, that's what I'm calling it. The block it. Not the dock it. A block it. <laughs> Age of Wonders, Planetfall, Triumph Studios, and Paradox. I really want to play Age of Wonders. It's something that's been intriguing me for a minute. Um, NO800 by Blue Byte and Ubisoft. Fire Emblem Three Houses by Intelligent Systems, KO Tecmo, Koei Tecmo, and Nintendo. Total Wars Three Kingdoms from Creative Assembly and Sega. Um, Tropico Six by Limbic Entertainment and Calypso Media. And finally, Wargroove by Chucklefish. And I think this is the last one. This is the best AR or VR game. Okay. So, Asgard's Wrath with its first nomination from Sanzaru Games and Oculus Studios. Blood and Truth from SIE London Studios and SIE. Beat Saber from Beat Game Studios. No Man's Sky. VR from Hello Games. Trover Saves the Universe by Squatch Games. And that is all your nominees for this year's Gaming Awards, the Video Gaming Awards. And whew, that was a lot. That was a good, good host of um, games, a good list of people who are going to be nominated, and a good list of people who are going to probably win um, a crap ton of games. So I'm really excited to, to see where they go from there. Um, with that, and I can't wait till the video game awards come on, and I'll be watching, of course. Alright, so, um, we do have some sad and tragic news. Um, for many Star Trek fans, we lost a very pivotal person in the family this over this past week. Um, from the Deep Space Nine family, the actor Rene Arbenjunos died Sunday in the home of Los Angeles. Um, he was battling lung cancer, and um, his son, Remy, was the one who confirmed that he passed away to um, the media and the press as well. But he will forever be remembered as one of my favorite favorite security officers from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, it's a wonderful man and wonderful actor, and I really do appreciate the time we got to, to see him and, and spend with him on television, and it's, it's difficult to see, see cancer take someone's life in general, but when you have such a connection with someone as, like, you are a fan or someone of the, of that fandom, it's a little bit more hard, and I do want to say, firstly, fuck cancer, and I do hope that 
there they know that his legacy will forever live on from wherever he is in the afterlife and I do appreciate all of the people who have shown his family and his friends and his his colleagues support and love for this, this tragic loss that we that they've suffered as well so yeah so everybody who's giving them love shout outs to you guys okay um, moving forward, we do have some news out of the wrestling world as well. You guys know I'm a professional wrestler. I keep up with all the stuff that's going on there. Um, I'm going to start you off with the with the good. Um, we got our first taste of the next Hall of Fame class of 2020. We will be getting the NWO. Um, and we'll also be getting Dave Batista inducted into the Hall of Fame. These are some big choices. Um, the big... The big choice here of course is the nwo because that's been such an influential group over everybody in our wrestling community and so so if you haven't grown up on the nwo you've known of them you've been influenced by them you looked up to the wrestlers who have all been involved in the nwo um and there's fan discussions going on about the nomination picks of who's supposed to be in there or so but it's honestly the hall of fame is just for kind of like a glorified product placement but you guys like if you've been in if you were in the nwo you're in the hall of fame like point blank dead period um this combination they're doing is going to be hogan nash ramon and waltman um these are the guys who are currently repping nwo the now the ogs they are the 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 pioneers of the nwo currently and i hope to see another amazing speech from these guys when it comes um induction time around wrestlemania weekend and of course dave batista is getting inducted he recently just retired and he he's kind of like he he knows that that part of his life is done that he's fulfilled everything he wanted to and now he also has like said so much going on acting wise and this new budding relationship with dana brooke that everybody loves to to um to keep up with on Twitter. So yeah, Dana, go ahead and get your gown ready for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony to where you can be um more than just an employee there that night. You'll be a plus one. A so yeah. Um and now for the bad news. <laughs> we have been in a weird time when it comes to wrestling. When WWE has this thing where they kind of go through and kind of clear house, clean up wrestlers who haven't been doing much of anything, and they release people, things like that. But um, they've been reluctant or holding off on doing so because of the recent competition that aren't, I wouldn't say competition, but a recent influence of All Elite Wrestling that has just popped up onto the scene. Um, and they wanted to make sure that, hey, stuff doesn't get, people don't kind of, get on their way and like, oh, well, see, I'm done with WWE here. I'm going to go to greener pastures. But there was one case that we had that was very troublesome and very hard to watch. This was the case of Luke Harper. Luke Harper was a very great, talented wrestler. Um, but he, unfortunately, as you do in the business, you get hurt. Um, he was on the shelf for a bit, but he was healthy again. And he worked a couple of random house shows here and there but then he just kind of got fed up and act towards release but with it being in the midst of the whole AEW kind of surgence he was not granting his release at all and there were a few others like Mike Kanellis um, Maria Kanellis and Oni Larkin recently asked for it and Cards asked for his release 
and a few other people asked for their release publicly, trying to get their, trying to get their way swayed into the favor of like, oh, the people, they, they see that I'm not being used, stuff like that. But um, recently the the WWE just announced that they have come to terms with Luke Harper or um his 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 real name I forget I think it's like Jack Laquan or something like that like that something but he's going to be going under the name of Brody Lee because he just filed a trademark his old indie wrestling name Brody Lee but um they just come to terms with him they've also come to terms with Sin Cara they've also come to terms with um the tag team duo known as the Ascension I actually have been seeing them at all around the top around um the locker room they haven't been working house shows haven't really been doing anything um and I hate to see talent like that goes to waste because the Ascension is actually very good. They just were given a bad break. They were just a bad call-up. Um, just they weren't used, utilized properly, and they weren't seen as the actual tag team that they were. So yeah, so hopefully they find better, um, better ventures out where, out there in the indie scene, and we are able to see these guys get into the ring again and wrestling, do what they love so passionately. Um, but yeah, when it comes to things like that, when it comes to wrestling, it's very difficult to watch, especially when it comes to those contracts. It's really, really hard to get out of those um, once you sign into it. So yeah, we have to hope and pray that we can come to legible terms with things like this, like that. So I'm, I'm glad to see that Luke Harper will finally be able to get his chance. Because even though they had a bad, had some bad blood between them, like he was getting used at the end of this tenure with the WWE because they brought him back on for a program with his with his partner Rowan um Eric Rowan and like we have to see where what happens with him now we don't know if he will kind of retire if he will go into the indies so say like we people want to see him in AEW people want to see him on Ring of Honor people want to see him in New Japan he's just a very good talented strong wrestler and I feel like he does deserve a break or at least a a push somewhere to where he can get some gold around his waist but yeah much luck to you guys in your future endeavors and I really can't wait to see where it takes where it takes you maybe I'll be getting the ring with one of these guys soon <laughs> you never know Alright, and, um, what else do I have on the docket, or the blocket, I said, call it the blocket. And, yeah, I wanted to go over the two shows that kind of premiered last night. Um, Crisis and Infinite Earths finally, finally, finally premiered, and, yo, it was so good. Like, the premiere episode was amazing. You got to see... A lot of the, a lot of the worlds that were going to be affected, a lot of the heroes that were teased were also shown out, shown out the the antimatter <laughs> door as well. So I can't wait to see how we fix and rectify this multiverse issue. But if you guys have not caught up on um on the Arrowverse or the CW shows for Crisis and Infinite Earths, I highly implore you to go ahead and do so. It is very good watching, a very good story arc to kind of um wrap up what we're doing with arrow flash and all that stuff like that um second i want to talk about watchmen watchmen is, again i'm coming back with very high praise with it this writing staff this team was so good and they they put these subtle little details in everything that you have to really pay attention to and actually listen for for you to get the full scope of what's happening um 
<laughs> I will say, not to give away much spoilers, but um, Dr. Manhattan did all of this, all of this to impress a girl. And we started literally the craziest scene, of, well, the craziest sequence of events all to impress a girl on a first date. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to see where they take it next. And I think I have my, well, I will say my theories and all of my, my little quips and, and thoughts and stuff were all validated last night. Everything I, everything that I predicted came true. Everything that I thought was right was literally dead on the point. Like I was so validated. So happy that I was. Um, shout out to everybody that I live tweeted with. Shout out to Blur Girl. Shout out to Bounce Comics. Shout out to um, all of my Twitter homies to where you guys know that we talk about Watchmen as it goes on and also afterwards. So uh, give me your guys' thoughts on where you guys want to see um, Watchmen go from here. And there's still so many storylines to tie up that even though there's only one episode left, I am highly confident they are getting a season two. Like, completely confident they're getting a season two and we're going to wrap up a few more loose ends wrap up a few more storylines that we did not get to address in this first season so yes excited 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 Whew, i want to go ahead and see if we can take a break i don't know i probably probably want me to take a break but i'll go ahead um take a break on the show and see um see about giving myself a quick little two 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 minutes something like that and um, I'll catch you guys back here, and then we'll go into our main nerdgasm, okay? Welcome back here to Bible's Block. Like I said, I need a quick little break. Something just kind of <laughs> rest my mouth for, for real quick. Get some, get some juice. Get some, some something to kind of like uh, relief or so real quick. Um, but yeah, we're back and we're gonna go ahead and talk about our main subject, our nerdgasm for this episode. And we're going to be speaking on black culture and anime. Um, this is something that I really, really take to heart because. It's my childhood. It's it's my 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 nowhood, really. Jesus, like um, <laughs> everyone always has that that friend who's like, oh, I liked anime, and they were so, and they they thought I was so weird, and blah blah this and none of that and none of that. We've all had those, all had those moments in our own lives too. We've all had those weird weird times where people thought we were awkward and stuff like that or whatever for liking anime and they don't get it i don't understand they're just yelling but if you look at black culture as a whole anime and, and japanese culture and black culture have been so intertwined that it's not funny like it's really in depth that we don't even see it honestly and i really do love the the parallel um the parallel factors of both of our cultures and i love the actual um the stand culture that we have for each other 
That's what I'll put it as. We both have a stand culture for each other. And that's really something that people don't explore nowadays between black culture and, and Japanese or anime culture. So, let's get into it. I'll go ahead and tell you guys, I have those. I have one of those stories where I was looked at as a weirdo, looked at as like a uh, awkward or whatever. I was drawing. I, I can't draw for crap. I was drawing trunks. Um, this is when uh, this is the first time Trunks just debuted or whatever, and I was drawing um, Dragon Ball Z characters for a minute. I think I was either drawing Trunks or Goku, but I want to say it was Trunks. And somebody who didn't know who it was Trunks because they hadn't seen the new episode, he just saw this this dude with long purple hair, and I was drawing like his his um his pecs or whatever. And they're like, "Oh, you drawing boobs over here, man? You weird drawing boobs on a dude." And I was like, "No, it's an anime character." And yeah, stuff like that's embarrassing. But kids are evil. Kids are fuck like kids are fucking evil. Like Donald Glover put this in in perspective for y'all a long time ago. Tiny, tiny Hitlers. It's all children. <laughs> but yeah, but no. Um, honestly, it's 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 a human nature thing to mock or ridicule what you don't understand. But like, um, every child of my generation of my age has that story of oh, you get out of school, you run home, you run to the TV, and what do you turn on? Tsunami. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you grew up or whatever. You have a friend, a brother, a cousin, a sister who did this exact ritual every single day from 3 to 7. We would come home after school, either watch Pokemon at 2.30 and then flip on the Cartoon Network or find somebody's house who had Cartoon Network or go to a community center or a barbershop because after the word of mouth of it spread, we were obsessed with Toonami. We were literally enthralled in everything that Toonami gave us and, and they put it in front of our eyes. Like, um, it took me a minute to sit back and think about it. Like, it wasn't even Toonami as a whole that introduced me into Japanese anime culture. It was Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network would syndicate those old, um, dubbed Japanese cartoon shows or these Japanese anime into our homes and we would basically watch them me and my brother we would watch speed racer g-force and all those old um old japanese anime that got an english american dubbing for it and the american dubbing down like we would watch saint saya and we would watch sailor moon and stuff like that we we had those available to us because of um media outlets were like hey we need to do something for kids and japan had a lot of stuff like, you you have relatives and friends who will always have that, that, that one show that they think is so American and think it's so cool. And we did, we, 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 I would never like that. that anime stuff, the anime stuff is weird. But if you tell them about this show, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you used to love that show. It was Japanese, bruh. Like, it was Japanese. Like, you watch anime, you just don't realize you watch anime. And that's the part that a lot of African-American um, kids of my age didn't didn't like kind of click on to until later. Anime nowadays is more mainstream and more accepted, but it's still like frowned upon for people who feel like, oh, you shouldn't be watching that. You're this age or you're blah blah blah. Watch what you want to watch. You have your shows here. I have my anime. I have my um other live action shows. I have my my fantasy and superhero stuff. It's all about the genres that you love. But um, when I say that 
Japanese and black culture has been mixed for so long, you can take it back further than just Tsunami. You can take it back to such examples as the Wu-Tang Clan. The Wu-Tang Clan loved old samurai movies, loved old ninja movies, loved old kung fu movies in general, which were of Chinese and Japanese descent. And they were able to mix that in with, like I said, their raps and their stylistic form. They would do like the 36 Chambers where everybody would have a different flow. Everybody would have a different rhyme. Everybody would have a different 16 bars to bring you. And it was something that was just so unheard of or unseen within the hip-hop culture at that time. And you you mix it in with that Shaolin mysticism and you mix it in with that Japanese culture and that, 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 that wonderment of storytelling. And this is something that you never would have expected to come out of, out of New York, out of the East coast rap scene. Um, and even before that, you can go to um, you can go to the story of the Last Dragon with stuff like Bruce Leroy and and Show Nuff, and you have that that glorification of Japanese culture and kung fu movies, and and like it's just so real. It's so surreal, I would say, it's so surreal. Like you you like thinking about like man, it's just been such a a love story between black people and, and Japanese culture and anime from jump. Um, we have such a a one-sided perspective on how things really really are seen or really work within this this kind of love affair because even though we had the same we had the same like glorification of anime and Japanese culture and all this like bright colors and stuff like that and taking upon like the the Harajuku district and stuff like that there's been a surgence or a boom of black culture within Japanese um, mainstreamism for a while. It's kind of a niche underground or so. Like you, you have Japanese kids getting high top fades. You have b boys and b girls holding break break dance competitions in the back alleys of of um, of like Japanese hawkers and stuff like that. You have you have um, a reggae scene or a reggae vibe in. In deep in Japan, like it's so funny that you 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 have this thought pro. Well, we have this thought process of like, oh man, we just are J- Japophiles and everything that we do, we try to do to impress Japanese people. But it's the same thing on the other side. We both have this interlocking um, love for each other, but we just never express it openly. Or we never tell each other, and that's something that we really need to kind of ex like examine from both ends like we're we're not broken we're not like we're not like seen as like weirdos we are appreciating two cultures that bring us so much joy and like said black people have loved things that japanese and 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 asian culture has done for so long and 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 japanese people love the music the 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 style the swagger the the actual framing of what black people have done for so long and it's it's about high time that we we kind of like bring it together and like we all just kind of sit and look at each other and just talk because that's really what it all needs to be done we just need to have a good conversation about it and i i think for myself like i really appreciate seeing both sides of the coin some people may see it as appropriation. Some people may see it as, as like them mocking or making fun of us because we get ridiculed and we get, um, yeah, we get ridiculed and we get demonized for the way that we wear our hair, the way that we dress, the way that we 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 carry ourselves, the way that we kind of are just naturally. And they're over there being glorified and like, oh my god, you look so dope, and blah 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 blah. But it's 
it's because we we have to call it out. Like we have to again, like I said, just talk about it because if what they're doing is so cool and okay, why can't we do it as well? Or if we are find ourselves as as black nerds or black black um fans um putting on say the multicolored bright wigs and the 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 um sugar pop style and the, everything like that that comes along with Japanese like vibrant vivid culture so it's seen as like oh man you guys are making it ugly but like honestly it's the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen when I when I look at um cosplayers and fandoms and stuff like that I love seeing black dudes with samurai swords on their back and I love seeing um Harajuku type Harajuku type dressing on like a black woman or a black or a black group of women like it's so dope and it's just so like it's so like beautiful to know that we can express ourselves in any fashion or any way and then like we don't have a box that we just put ourselves in and even when it comes to our Japanese counterparts like when it comes to us influencing them we have such a big influence because they basically try to emulate or basically appreciate what we give to them as in their or our culture and give us things such as like samurai shampoo and you have where <laughs> um the creative jojo's bizarre adventure will put like a full-on jodeci song as the outro because he loves our black r&b that much and he loves african-american culture that much and like I hate when people say that black people don't, aren't really into anime. This is something new. Like, no, this is nothing new. This is nothing that, like, just speared up over a couple of years ago. This has been something that has been in our DNA for so long that we finally are able to just express it openly and lovingly without any fear or insecurities about it. And I'm so proud that there is a new level of pride for being <laughs> I hate to say for being a weeaboo or being a um being an otaku even though those are are negatively context words within the Jap- Japanese culture like we here wear it as a bre- as a badge of pride we here wear it as like a symbol of hey I have a people I have a group of people who understand and get me man like and there are toxic traits within our in our fandoms as a whole, of course. But if there are more people who are here willing to be accepting and empathetic and, as said, um, open to what everyone is into, you we will weed out those those patches of toxicity, and we'll be able to get back to just having fun and being nerds and just being able to enjoy what we love. So, yeah, that's all, that's all I really wanted to kind of, like, say, kind of give you guys a little glimpse or a taste upon when it comes to black culture and anime that it's been something that's been around from the beginning of, either from basically from the beginning of anime, the beginning of our own um, culture, culturistic um, appreciation of other people. Like, we, we, we give so much to everyone else, but we also love seeing that love given back to us as a culture. And yeah, I think that should be about it to wrap up the show. So again, you guys know that this episode was sponsored by my Patreon. You can follow me there and join the campaign at www.patreon.com forward slash Bobbo. That's www.patreon forward slash B-O-B-B-O. You can follow me anywhere that you can hit up on me on socials at 
B-O-B-B-O, Bobo, F-N-N. That's B-O-B-B-O, F-N-N. That's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And you can also find me on the show on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere major podcasts are streamed. Go ahead and give us a like, a follow, and a five-star review to help the blog audience grow. And I do want to thank you guys for taking your time out and sitting down with me and listening to all I had to say. Um, Again, check out those updates. We will... We will be back on the 26th of December in the Manhattan here in Jacksonville, Florida. Also have a upcoming wrestling match down in Orlando coming up at the Inglewood Community Center on the 13th, Friday the 13th. Um, we will be wrestling in a, 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 a dismember. Uh, December is this member Christmas match where all of the weapons are underneath the Christmas tree and nothing is off limits. So yeah, you guys will be able to see me destroy, destroy, destroy the most dashing wrestler in all sports entertainment, dashing cam, the king of Queens. Um, you guys can also check out, I believe in wrestling's latest uploads on YouTube and you'll see my, um, last match that I had up there with, with the queenie boy. And we defended the tag team titles, and you'll see how that outcome came, how that outcome had um, ended up, or the results of that match. So, yeah, it has been me again, your favorite neighborhood nerd, your friendly neighborhood nerd, the Babo. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining me one more time, and you know, kicking on the block, and see you guys next time. All right, peace. <laughs>